Welcome back everyone to the Lawcast. I am Christy Santana and this is Melanie Fleurley. We are both solicitors here at MJT Law and we're here for another week. Here for another week. Here for another week. Happy and, days. And I thought we'd start off with another installment of the much loved... Uh, Love it. ...kind of recurring thing that we do here and it's Chris's commission Crazy Cases. The yes. Triple, triple C's. The Triple C's. Um, and it's about a employee who didn't put a... An emoji? That's right. Yeah, so I, from what I understand, you have an employee who was texting their, their boss. Yeah, look, this is a. This, is, <laughs> this case is off the gazette for a couple of reasons. Um, we'll talk about the interesting facts of the case yeah. first, and then we'll talk about it being off the Kazam for a completely different reason, <laughs> yeah. which is the kind of the incidental part of it. Mm. So yeah, absolutely. So in this case, we've got a woman who's working for a restaurant, and these mm -hmm. restaurants are everywhere. Right. They're in, they're in China, they're in here, there's, there's a pile of them. Yeah. And there's lots of kind of cooks in this kitchen. Oh, <laughs> screws my pun. Yes. <laughs> Because it seems like there's lots of people who are involved and in control and touching the pie, and it's just so like, like a situation where there's just there's no like direct zone manager or anything like that. There is just well, people management. Yeah, and there's some obvious people who should be managing, mm -hmm. and some obvious people who are managing, and some people and not the same people. And there's some people <laughs> on the edges who are getting in, getting themselves, it's, you know, getting jiggy with it too. Too many chefs in the, it's in the kitchen. It's just so many chefs in the kitchen. So that's that's one really interesting thing about this. And this poor girl is a casual employee who. Was it, was it permanent and turned casual? And there was just all these questions. Mm -hmm. So she found herself terminated, the poor poppet, after yeah. a, you know, a while um, of employment, a couple of years. And the termination was because of an ongoing kind of degeneration of a relationship between not her manager, not her boss, so the owner mm -hmm. of the restaurant, but the partner. Partners in the business partner. No, as in the, the the life partner of the person who owns the business. Right, right. So no one involved, not really involved in the company. Not not in a. Involved in such a way where they waltz in and pretend they own the place. But they don't actually. But they're not actually the manager or the boss or. Anything. So, as right. far as I know, I mean, you could write in and tell me how wrong I am, but. And, and the relationship just goes gets worse and worse and worse over a number mm -hmm. of weeks. This person was, the, the, the employee who was terminated was was engaged by the company to open this restaurant, kind of manage it and get on with it. Yep. Then we've got this woman who comes in every now and again and kind of, you know. You're not doing this right. And yeah, all this sort of bizarre. And, yeah. and there's, there's lots of conflict and lots yep. of friction. And then one day she couldn't turn up to, uh, the employee couldn't turn up mm -hmm. to work. And... Apparently, this this particular restaurant has always been under pressure for staff, yep. and the employee will argue that it's because they keep removing staff from this restaurant to, to work at a different one of their restaurants because yep. that one's more profitable and busier. Yep. But leaving less staff to do the busy times. Yeah. It's almost a snowballing effect because they can't make it more profitable because the service is bad. Anyway, so it all comes to a head when she couldn't turn up and there was a replacement and there was all these problems. And she writes in and says she can't come to work. And without the smiley face, people are shouting once she turns back up to work. Right. There is a massive fight that happens right. and she's out. 
Filed an unfair dismissal application. Um, so that's kind of the gist of the facts. Mm -hmm. There's a pile of other facts. I mean, the, the, the decision is 20 pages long, but we're gonna we're just gonna stick to some mm -hmm. easy stuff here. So there's some other things that I really like about this case. First of all, um, she files this unfair dismissal, and there's a whole pile of jurisdictional objections. Right. So I'm not on my back. She's not employed. She didn't get fired. She's a casual. <laughs> she's not employed long enough. All these kind of jurisdictional objections, and they had to sit there and sift through them all right. first. For those of you who don't know, when one files an unfair dismissal application here in Australia, you have, first of all you have to be the right type of employee, believe. But we, we, you know, in this case they were, um, and. An employer can make a jurisdictional objection. Those they'll call them jurisdictional objections because they're kind of threshold questions. Yeah, irrespective of how unfair or harsh and just unreasonable uh, the termination might be, if someone doesn't fall within the jurisdiction, that's right. Then they're out. They're out. Or they haven't worked there for the period of time with which they have to in order yep. to be eligible to file. They're out. And, and they, might, they might have other actions, but not yeah. in an unfair Didn't file in time, you're out. Yep. There's a lot of these um, objections. And one of them, interestingly enough, is not fired. On what? So, <laughs> I didn't fire her. <laughs> it, that seems like the most illogical of them, because I imagine it was quite unequivocal. Well, the language, get out, you're not coming back, and all that sort of thing. Very determined, yeah, very yeah. And, employment and There was this discussion yeah. about whether she resigned because of the poisonous working environment and it was constructive or forced resignation. Right. Yeah, it was just, the whole thing was just... Because this all comes out of the argument they've had when she comes back. Yeah, and, and there's just... And what I love about this is it's Commissioner Simpson. Right, yeah. And Commissioner Simpson just doesn't like the bullshit. <laughs> there was so much of it in this case. And they just... <laughs> it's just, you know, and he, they go through it in, in a really kind of, um, um, you know, in a really kind of methodical way. The hearing went ahead on the 1st of July by telephone. Um, Ms. Gordon appeared on her own behalf. The hearing was based on the evidence before me. I was satisfied that the applicant was dismissed and the dismissal of Ms. Gordon was harsh and just and reasonable for the following reasons. And they just kind of go through. They have to just work through all the, they go all the through. various issues. So what happened was, at the very end of it, it was found that the dismissal was unfair. It was completely unreasonable. And I'll see if I can find what Commissioner Simpson says about that. Because it's... Uh, um, when it talks about remuneration, whilst there was some strain on the employment relationship at the time of the termination itself because of the relationship between Ms Wang and the applicant, there appears to be no evidence that there, that there were any concerns about the applicant's performance. Mm -hmm. And Ms Chen made it clear in the written material um, that respond, um, submitted for the respondent that he did not have any issue with the applicant's performance. And in fact, it seems instructed... Ms. Wang to attempt to resolve the issue, um, and it was clear from the evidence that mm. did not make the offer to be re-employed and so on and so forth. So, you know, there was so much there going on about all this. What I find absolutely fascinating is not only this is a completely insane case mm. about someone being fired for not including a smiley face on the end of a text which would have been difficult to read, but what happened next? The way she was fired? No. The, the whole matter itself, so she files this application, mm. the respondent refuses to attend conciliation. So they don't want to mediate whatsoever at the very end, so they basically would have done next to no work at that point. Absolutely refused to um, 
to, to attend. Um, the respondent did not attend the directions hearing um, and indicated it did not wish to participate in the hearing. Um, the conciliation before the commission conciliated did not take place and the matter was allocated to me. That's what so he's, just no involvement? No involvement whatsoever. So they do eventually file some material, but at this point we've got nothing. Got, they've got this woman who's been fired and she's going, dude, I've been fired. And then they start all these objections. Mm. Um, and what's really interesting for those who don't understand the process, when a employee files an unfair dismissal application, that application goes to the other side, the employer. The employer reads through it, files their own response, mm -hmm. which is a template document that you get sent to fill in. And then the matter is set down for conciliation. Yeah. It's done over the telephone, and it's meant to help the parties get to a solution that doesn't involve a commissioner getting involved. Yeah, and it's the very first thing, basically the very first thing you do in, in a matter, and it means that you might be able to sell it before basically anyone incurs significant legal fees. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant way of solving the matters, and you've mm -hmm. done the, the, the math on this. Conciliations are successful like 90% of the time, or some mad number, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, I, uh, I think it's something like 80% with, I think it's... Two thirds in the first conciliation, and then an, an extra twenty yeah. percent of the entire portion yeah. uh, in that next conciliation. Or yeah. so there's hardly anybody left to do go here. So incredibly successful. Well, there was absolutely no um, participation at all from the respondents. So it's only going to one place. It's only going to a hearing. It's hearing going to a hearing, and Commissioner um, Spent Simpson said, you know, the respondent did not attend the directions hearing, which is the which is the hearing to say what's going on today and this is how we're going to manage it mm -hmm. um, and indicated they did not want to participate in the hearing and did not wish to file any material. So that's where they were at. Yeah. Eventually they did and uh, after the directions hearing my chamber sent an email to the respondent um, and Dear Mr Chen, I refer to the above matter. The Commissioner advises there are factual disputes that need to be resolved including whether the respondent is a small business, less than 15 employees, whether the applicant was dismissed, and the commissioner puts you on notice that the hearing of this matter will occur on a particular date by telephone. Chambers will send you notice of the listing shortly. Um, the commissioner again puts you to notice that you should, not submit, you should not submit material in accordance with the directions. Should you not submit the material in accordance with directions, the matter will be decided in the absence of material from you. So it's really good to know that even if the other side don't file anything... They don't participate, though. It's, it's not like it's a foregone conclusion, there's a rubber stamp, you're going to win. Because, in fact, they're still going to consider the evidence that you present and whether the Commissioner thinks yeah. on the facts that's presented before them at the time, whether or not it's been done. Yeah, and, and the key difference between a Commission, and in this case the Fair Work Commission, and a uh, court is the Commissioner can ask questions, and they frequently do. Uh, at a hearing and they might just simply cross-examine the applicant themselves. Yeah. Yep. So this happens all the time for applicants. Mm. Applicants fail to do what the Commission asks mm. them to do all the time and the matters are dismissed. Mm. But in this one it just keeps rolling forward. The respondent finally gave something and said blah 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 please accept my apologies for the delayed response. I've summarised a personal statement for your review. Since I have no further information or evidence to provide, I confirm I will not attend the hearing. <laughs> so they don't, want to, they don't want to take the stand. And the hearing went ahead. That was it. So I'm satisfied that the applicant was dismissed. <coughs> and so they, they said, 
At the hearing, based on the evidence before me, I was satisfied that the applicant was dismissed. And the dismissal of mm. her was harsh and just and reasonable. So, <coughs> this, is, this is the other crazy part of this. Mm. We've got an applicant that filed an application. I mean, she's self-represented, so she's not spending money on legal fees. Mm -hmm. But the respondent didn't participate, no. basically at all. Mm -hmm. So put no money or effort into this. And yes, they lost. But what do you reckon the outcome was for that employee? I think I've, I've gone to the end. And I think she gets a measly 3000 yes. something like that. Uh, presumably well, on the basis that she wasn't unemployed for that long. $5,357.80 taxed. And for her, that would be what, like six weeks, maybe five, six weeks. It depends on the salary. It might be even less than that. Mm. Um, you know, they went through what we call the spring test and decided blah 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 blah. Um, yeah, it's they yeah they just basically did that. And you look at that and you think she earned four thousand. Oh, it was a whole pile of like. This Nevertheless, is it's not going to be. It's a complete a mess weeks, because so. on one one week she'd in one mount, another week she'd in another mount, and it was all all over the place. One thousand one month, three thousand another week. You know, so it was all. Mm. But the fact is, they participated, not at all. Spent yeah. no money, no effort, no no time, no thinking, no anything, and all they had to pay is five grand. Yes, the only. The system's broken, my friend. Well, I think, I mean, in this way, they very much saved money. They absolutely um, saved, they saved a bundle. But for those who don't know, litigation of this type, to get all the way to the other side of a hearing, is bound to cost you at least thirty dollars or $40,000. Yes, but I'm going to caveat this a little bit and say, this case is also a great example of some of the downsides of doing that, which is they lost. They did lose. And there's 20, 20 pages there. I don't imagine it's particularly painting the greatest light. It's not, but who the hell cares? It's a restaurant in the Gold Coast. We're talking about it. It was on the news. It was on the news. Um, you know, these things come out. You think, you're not of the view that no, all news is good news? No. Right. No. All, all publicity is good publicity. No, especially... You don't want to go and eat there? I think especially in employment law where it can be very politicised. Mm, yes. Where... Depending on which side of the political sphere you're on, you can find yourself either an employee or an employer. That's right. Very much, at least in your your views, um, that treating an employee poorly and making it open to the public uh, for at least probably about, roughly about fifty percent of the population is going to be okay. Unpalatable. Okay, so somebody might there might be. 30 or 40 people out there who won't eat at that restaurant simply because they heard a case where someone had an unfair dismissal. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, makes, that might make them feel sad, that might not make them feel sad. What about if they just sell... What if they're like a, a wholesaler that yeah. doesn't have any Online public internet. facing... Who the hell cares? Or, you know, something consulting business that doesn't actually provide services really at to all the to, open to anybody society, who's going to yeah. read this. Uh, you know... How do we advise our clients that it's a mm. good idea to defend these matters when we've got a decision as crazy as that? I'm not well, saying that Commissioner Simpson didn't order the right amount of money. That's not no. what I'm saying here. I, I think that they sort of figures the... are what we're seeing in a decision from the Fair Work Commission. Mm. The, the decision was not out of the ordinary. 
what I'm looking at is the bigger picture here. If mm. you don't participate whatsoever, and these are the sort of the decisions that are coming out, all you're getting is an adverse decision that may or may not be publicised, that may not be may or may not be remembered in two months' time. No. What's the harm? Why? Where's your exposure? This is broken. System's broken, dude. What's your views on? Because at the moment, in a lot of other areas in, in that an employee may be able to file against an employer there is pecuniary penalties uh that is an amount of money that is not attributable to compensation it's not doesn't just because they did the wrong thing and it's purely for a deterrent yeah. effect there's plenty um, of sections in the Fair Work act that provide for penalties for doing the wrong thing now interestingly unfair dismissals are not one of those no what the hell dude do you think we should be having I think we should on. rethink the jurisdiction altogether. I don't Ooh. like the fact that you can not turn up to anything and not be penalised from a cost perspective. I don't like the fact that employees can start any type of vexatious claim and it doesn't matter. I don't like any of it. I don't like the timing that you have to file by. I don't like the system and the conciliations. Mm. I actually don't like any of it. I think the system is broken and this this is an end result of that broken system. If this person, let's say the company has been through an unfair dismissal application before and I didn't look at all these subsidiaries online to find out if they had an adverse decision against them. But let's say they did and they realised the adverse decision is going to be five to $10,000 and it'll cost them 30 or 40 to run. It, they would know from a commercial mm, standpoint mm. that it'd be cheaper for them to do nothing which than it would exactly, be. Which is exactly where penalties are aimed at targeting. Yeah, and, and you can only get six months pay and it's capped at um, a high income salary of 162000 Most people who are filing are in the 70000 range or under. Mm. Even if you give them the full six months, it's still not the same as a litigation. It's still cheaper. It's still cheaper. Mm. That's Anyway, I'll get off my little soapbox about no, that. But that's I, why the commission's crazy in my view. I think... You're, I think you're right. I think look, this is, I think specifically for unfair dismissals, more than anything, there is a lot of issues there. Yeah. Um, but one of the interesting things about that case is uh, when we see cases all the time where there is what we call mutual destruction. Yes. Generally two people, I mean, in this case, it was someone who wasn't actually involved in the, the business, but let's say they are. And the actions of the manager are generally not relevant. Well, they're not, you know, they're not the person on trial here. And, um, and usually the applicant does something wrong. Yeah. There's something wrong, and, and remember that you only really need an operative reason to be the valid reason. And usually the, there might be a dispute, I and mean, it might be completely legitimate, but the, the way they handle the dispute. And yeah, the employee gets up to their own mischief yeah. in some way. Look, and you look, there were shouting fights. There, there, there was a relationship was going wrong. I just think this is a commission crazy because of why the person was terminated mm. and the whole process around mm. how they saved a gajillion dollars by doing nothing. Yes. Crazy case. Interestingly, it was, I mean, this this case kind of made the news. Yeah. As, because it's just... It's so out there. It's so out there. Fired for an emoji, dude. Yeah. Not putting an emoji in. But... And I can't speak to the veracity of the survey, uh, but a survey was done. And how many how many percentage of people do you think she uh, should say that you should put a emoji in a text to a boss? Oh, I'm thinking zero, but I'm thinking it's that's a wrong number. Sixty percent of people, sixty <laughs> percent believe that if you write a text to your boss, did they ask sixty? 
12-year-olds. I don't know, because I believe that that's unprofessional, personally. Anybody has a point of view on whether they should put an emoji to a text to their boss, I'm thinking, if you're going to err on the side of caution, don't put let's it. just say, don't do it. Wow. But 60%, I don't, I don't think 60% of people think that you, know, you should be me. fired if you don't do it. But Just taking a different spectrum, it does surprise me how many people think it's perfectly acceptable to send dick pics. Yeah, true. I just, so maybe, maybe people just yeah. don't, maybe since the... And uh, all those emojis that relate to that sort of thing. Yeah, it does surprise me. Okay, true. I'm going to segue out of this mm -hmm. really badly mm -hmm. by saying uh, there's another matter on my desk. It's not a commission's crazy, but it is a crazy matter. And this is about an employee. Mm. So this employee was sentenced to 10 years <laughs> imprisonment. And right. what I've got here in front of me is the appeal. The, yeah. the, the offender, For 10 years you might as well appeal. Yeah, the offender had to um, um, appeal the sentence saying it was manifestly in, um, excessive. Yeah. Um, he failed. So I'll just put that out right. there. Yep. 10 years was perfectly fine. Right. And there was some language around um, the, the offence that he did at the time. At the time had like a 12 year penalty, but then it was raised after he offended to 30 years. Right. So there was this kind of jibber jabber, I'm going to say, around yeah. that. This guy did something quite spectacular. He was working, this is an employee mm. who was basically stealing money, and they all do it. But he stole, uh, I think in total, about four and a half million dollars, <laughs> keeping two for himself. And there was this massive, massive scheme, like massive scheme, where they were, they, he'd got together with a couple other contractors, and they were over invoicing for the monies, the money, this guy was in control of accepting the invoices, yep. making sure the invoices were legitimate, and then paying them. Right, so yep. he's got So there's no line control. of defense here. This is, no this one is, else can... So, from someone invoicing to the money coming out, there's no one else touched. No one else dealing with it. Right. Pure, pure trust. Yeah. Pure, pure trust. So there's no line of defense right. at all. Yeah. And uh, so what he did is he got together with a few of his, I'm going to say, more reliable contractors... Right. Reliable for him, contractors, yeah. Yeah. and basically did a scheme. Said, "I'll you do the work. Charge me, and it's meant to be thousand hmm. dollars. Charge me two. I'll give you five hundred of that. Yeah, and I'll give myself five hundred. So you're getting fifteen hundred. Yeah, you're of getting, the extra thousand. Yeah, you're giving you're giving yourself fifteen hundred, but you're getting five hundred on the side, tax free." I'll get 500 inside. Right, right. So and that's then, basically the scheme. And you do enough invoices and you can get to 4 million very quickly. Yeah, and you do it for like five years. It's <laughs> just unbelievable. So the applicant would issue his false invoices or fabricated contractors and credited the money owed. Um, so he also created contractors that didn't exist. Right. And then paid himself. Those contractors. Well, yeah. That didn't exist. For work that didn't. For work they didn't do. Yeah. Because the, the contract doesn't Because the contract doesn't exist. But how did he, I suppose for those ones, uh, he would have had to get one of the other contractors to actually do the work. No, no, no. There's no work to be done. It was so an elaborate fraud experiment. So this is just a, this is quite a large organisation. Because it, it got into my head. Who the hell, because I run a business, mm. and I would notice a million dollars going missing. So yeah, <laughs> who um, the hell doesn't notice that? But of course you don't notice it if, if it's not just a million dollars. And it's, it's the quintessential mm. scam, isn't it? Mm. We know we go through our bank statements because it's that $12. Yeah. 
um, one that turns into a thousand, that turns into yeah. all your money. Because they, they take the little bit, little see bit if anybody time. notices. So how did this guy get caught then? He got slammed. <laughs> I think one day he was sick or something insane like that. It's always, and always to, how it happens. Yeah, and he just got, got slammed. Is Absolutely it? slammed. As an so what I wanted to say is not only is this a fascinating case about someone going to jail for 10 years for essentially defrauding his boss and taking a kajillion dollars, um, a, a fraudulently obtained $1.85 million by manipulating invoices received. On a further 18 occasions, he created fraudulent invoices allegedly, allegedly for work complaint, completed at childcare centres, which he, this is a cleaning company that mm. they didn't clean. So they just produced invoices, didn't do the work, mm. didn't even need to do the work, because this is the other thing. Yeah. Those companies aren't complaining that the work isn't done because they didn't need to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. completely insane. So it was approximately six years, dishonestly obtained $4.5 million, and he took 1.2 of his own. So it's an interesting case in the way that it's a, it's a I suppose a, a very large version of what uh, we see actually quite all frequently. The time. Um, all the time. People are probably shocked to find out just how much money gets stolen from employers. And, and time stealing, it's, it's all there. You know, it's, your it's employee often. turns up two minutes late to work, they've already stolen two minutes of your time. Mm, but I mean, I mean, all sorts of things, uh, you know, not putting in timesheets correctly. Yeah. Claiming on... The know, actual physical time. money of it, you know, claiming that you didn't take a lunch break when you did and therefore getting the money for that, um, down to swapping out shifts so mm. it makes it more, you know, and you didn't do that shift and there's all those ones. So there's all the obvious ones. Mm. But then there's, the, then there's the less obvious ones. There's the sneaky ones. Um, you know, you're you're stealing toilet paper. You're stealing time. You're. I mean, you're everyone knows about stealing the pens. Yeah, pens are always going missing. It's, it's it's employee fraud is rife. It yes. depends what level you care about it. Yeah, and that one of the interesting things is, uh, of course, all of this is a a reason to terminate. Right, but uh, one of the interesting things that we see coming on our table a lot is there doesn't. There's no real criminal element to them. You know, no. as in, they've done crimes. I mean, these are, from what I understand, to be What I'm crimes. amazed is how many clients come to us who know this is happening and still don't terminate. Mm. I just, you know, there's so much space there for your employees. You don't need to give it to them. You don't need to have the same person doing payroll who is the same person doing pay rises. Because yeah. the payroll officer will give themselves a pay rise. It's just, and it happens all the time. Or the same person who is in control of accounting for how much leave has been taken is not accounting for it for, for the themselves. It's, it's constant. But they never get fired, even when they get found out. Yeah. And they get to stay. It's, it, anyway, so... It's, it's a lot more prevalent. Uh, and I think for... It's everywhere. For our employer listeners out there. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, think, I think they'll find that it's... A, it's going on a fair bit. Yeah, and you've got to decide what your level of care is. Mm. But when there's money walking out the door and you don't know how much it is, yeah, audits, guys, do something about it. Those employees who are stealing from you, I know it's hard. Get rid of them. Mm. <laughs> Just get rid of them. I shouldn't be saying that. I'll probably get sued. But anyway, mm -hmm. look, um, if you guys need any help, let us know. But I just thought these two cases were mad. Mad, Absolutely mad, mad. mad. Um, just four and a half million dollars, dude. Off the reserve uh, and and getting fined because you had to run in. <laughs> it's ten years 
jail for stealing four and a half million dollars and he complains about the sentence. Oh, I have a crack. He was lucky not to get a longer one. Fine. You know, like that, like that, like that dude who killed that lady in um, South Africa who complained about the sentence. And he got a longer one. one, but you know the difference between ten and twelve. I mean, <laughs> but anyway, on that note, <laughs> on I think we have to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> we will see everyone again in a couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, if you're, you're going to splendor in the grass. I am going to splendor. You can tell us all about it. I will. All right. See you, everyone.